Hey there, this is Brian Zond, and welcome to my sermon podcast. I'm glad that you're interested in the sermons that I preach here at Word of Life Church in St. Joseph, Missouri. And if you ever feel inclined to help us by supporting us financially, you can do that at our website, wolc.com. Thank you. It's going to be a great time of celebration at our 40th anniversary homecoming. And did you see the video? Pancakes. We'll be having, thank you, pancakes, Sunday, what is that going to be, November 7th, I guess. So we do want you to be a part, and if you are an onliner and you want to travel, it's going to be a homecoming, and you want to travel and be here, we invite you to come and be a part of the 40th anniversary homecoming. I'm excited about that. Well, good morning, church. It's good to see many of you gathered here in the building, and I'm glad so many of you are joining us online. My name's Derek Vreeland. I'm one of the pastors here at Word of Life. Uh, A couple of things here before we jump into the sermon. First, onliners, remember we're hanging out tomorrow night, so reach out to me if you want to be a part of that. And um, what I want to do today is really... Um, carry forward where Pastor Jacob brought us last week in his message, Abide, Don't Strive. Uh, Last week, Pastor Jacob talked about how our worth and our value is not in our work. Rather, when we slow down, when we are still enough to be in the presence of Jesus, there we discover that we're loved. That we're beloved by God who created us and out of that kind of nourishment. Remember he had his little tomato plant up here and out of the nourishment of that soil of the love of God, our work flows from that. And so I really want just to continue in that vein. And uh, so I have a message for you. But before we get there, what I want to invite us to do today is to... Slow down, be still, and to sit at the feet of Jesus. Can we do that today? Can we do that together? Can we, can we set aside distraction and simply be in the presence of Jesus for who knows what Jesus may speak to us? Um, I'm reminded of the prophet Elijah. This story is in 1 Kings where In 1 Kings, it tells the story of Elijah, and he's going to encounter the glory of God. So he's on this mountainside. He's going to experience the glory of God. And there's this strong, powerful wind, but God wasn't in the wind. Then the ground below Elijah begins to quake and shake. There's a mighty earthquake, and God wasn't in the earthquake. And then this massive fire passes by, but God is not in the fire. Rather, God is encountered by Elijah in a still, small voice. See, sometimes we think to, in order to experience the presence of God, we need big and we need boisterous and we need loud. And I'm fine with all of that big and boisterous and loud. That's all good. But God isn't always found in those moments. God is often encountered in moments of quiet and stillness. So I want us today to to enter into the presence of God, to sit at the feet of Jesus, open to what Jesus may do in and among us today. And as you know, yesterday was the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 terrorist attacks. And so before I jump into the sermon, I want to offer a prayer. 
a prayer in reflection of 20 years. And uh, so if you would join me, uh, you can bow your heads, close your eyes if you'd like. Let's pray. I'll offer this prayer and then we'll jump into the sermon. But let's pray. O Lord, King of all nations, we pray today 20 years after misguided men filled with hate flew planes into buildings, killing thousands. A day when terror came crashing in on America's shores. Help us to remember. Help us to remember those who lost their lives. Help us remember those who thwarted more violence. Help us remember those who responded with aid to help the wounded. Most of all, help us look back to 9-11 with the eyes of Jesus, who through his death and resurrection defeated sin, evil, hell, and death itself, freeing us from fear. Today, may we experience your mercy and healing from the painful memories of that day. Fill us with your Holy Spirit that we may remember that day with thoughts of justice and peace. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Today, following in the footsteps of Pastor Jacob, I want to offer you practices for an unhurried life. I want to give you practices, things you can do to practice, to live out an unhurried life. But before I offer these practices, let's listen to the words of Jesus. This comes to us from Matthew 11. Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because, Jesus says, I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and the burden I give you is light. Now, whenever I read Matthew 11, when I hear these words of Jesus I'm always thinking about Eugene Peterson's masterful translation, the Message Bible, and the way Eugene translates these words in particular. So listen to the, these words again from the Message Bible. And the way Eugene translates it is it starts with a series of questions. Jesus is asking you these questions today. Listen to these words from Jesus from the Message Bible. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Jesus says, walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. 
This is what I believe Jesus is speaking to us. This is what Jesus is saying. And as we are sitting at his feet, open to the words of Jesus, I hear him saying that if you want to live lightly, if you want to live freely, then this is how you do it. If you want to find the rest that our souls require, Jesus says this is the way it's to slow down and be present to Jesus. Or in the words of the psalmist, it's to be still. From Psalm 46, the psalm writer writes these words, Come now and look upon the works of the Lord. What awesome things he has done in the earth. It is he who makes war to cease in all the world. Amen. Come Lord Jesus. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear and burns the shields with fire. Be still then and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. In listening to Jesus, I believe that he is inviting us to be still in a world of hurry. In a world filled with anxiety where everything seems to be urgent. There's something about the combination of social media, cable news, and the politicos on the left and the right who make everything urgent. Everything is a crisis. Everything demands our attention and our reaction. And our culture reinforces that because we are praised when we do things fast, when we're able to accomplish more, when we're able to pack more into our schedules and do more and produce more, we're praised for that. But I believe that Jesus is calling us to something different. In our world, slow has become a bad word. So for people with mental deficiencies, we call them slow. If a movie is dragging and you get the remote to find something else to watch, you say, well, that movie was slow. Traffic is aggravating when it's bumper to bumper and the pace is slow. But for followers of Jesus, slow is not necessarily a bad thing. If we're walking in the ways of Jesus, what we find is a lot of this, a lot of these kingdom realities are slow. The coming of the kingdom itself is slow. Jesus said the kingdom is like a, a farmer planting seed. Loving one another is slow. Walking in prayer for one another and with one another is slow. The production of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the character of Jesus within us, this is a slow process. Forgiveness peacemaking, spiritual formation, all of this is slow. So the question Jesus is asking us today is, are you willing to slow down in order to be present to me? That's what I believe Jesus is saying. Are you willing to walk in the pathways of slowness and stillness to be aware of the presence of Jesus? Now, the problems with a hurried life, 
that list goes on and on. But let me give you a quick list. I'm going to give you a quick list of a hurried life in order to encourage you to slow down, but that's the way it works. Quick list of the problems with a hurried life. Number one, a hurried life is dehumanizing. Pastor Jacob did a great job last Sunday in talking about that. A hurried pace of life makes us think that we are human doings instead of human beings. That we are what we do, that we are what we produce, that we are what we accomplish. When the reality is we find our true selves in reflection of the God who made us because we're image bearers of God after all. Number two, a hurried life gives us no time to listen. We no longer listen to one another. Instead, we talk past one another because when someone is talking, we're not listening to what they're saying. We're actually thinking up a response that we can give back to them quickly. A hurried life leaves no room for healthy friendships. I mean, who's got time for friends? We're too busy. A hurried life causes us to make rushed decisions. And if I have learned anything in my 47 years, it's that a rushed decision is almost always a wrong decision. So 20 years ago, 9-11 attacks, those in authority made a rushed decision because someone has to be punished. So the U.S. military goes into Iraq, goes into Afghanistan for 20 years. Was this a wise decision, unwise decision? I think history and ultimately Jesus will be the judge. But for me, in, in my own experience, I have learned that when I'm rushing to make major decisions, if I'm rushed, I'm often wrong. A hurried life cuts us off from the simple joys of life. Like the simple joy of tasting food. Does anybody eat super fast or is it just me? Often when I share a meal with people, they'll look down, like I just had a Chipotle burrito yesterday. So if I ever eat Chipotle with you, you have a bowl because, well, you're smart. You know, you get more food with the bowl than the burrito. I'll have a burrito. And if you are not paying attention, that burrito will be consumed within eh, two minutes. It happens all the time. I'll eat with people and they're like, where'd your food go? And I'm like, I, 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 I grew up, my dad was in the army. He was an Air Force brat growing up in a military house. And I just think people with a military background just eat fast. And so as a kid, I was always trying to eat faster than my dad. And uh, I beat him one time. It was red beans and rice. I finished my meal before my dad. The problem with that is I developed this bad habit of eating really fast. And so I'll eat a really good meal. And I'm like, where did it go? I robbed myself of the simple joy of savoring that meal. See, a hurried life, we, we miss out on those simple joys, on those simple blessings, on those simple gifts of grace. A hurried life cultivates in us a short attention span. So three-minute little YouTube videos, 60-second TikTok videos are conditioning our brains to have this short attention span so we can't read a whole book anymore. We can't sit down and read a whole chapter from a book because our brains by a hurried culture are being conditioned to not be able to pay attention. Finally, a hurried life leads to exhaustion, burnout, and anxiety. And all of these lead to all sorts of physical ailments, heart disease, and all sorts of stuff. And just so you know, heart disease is still the number one leading killer of Americans. 
And so much of that is about our lifestyle. And I would say a part of us, part of it is this hurried pace that we feel pressured into. So a hurried pace of life is literally killing us, but it's also doing such great damage to our souls. And so the answer is not simply listening to a TED talk and making a new plan, finding some self-help books and making a change. Because self-help in and of itself is really no help at all. Because we believe that Jesus is the savior of the world. He's the one that takes our sins away. Jesus is the healer who binds up all of our brokenness. Jesus is our shepherd king who leads us in paths, pathways of righteousness for his namesake. We believe that Jesus is the savior of the world. Jesus is the savior of us individually but we cannot experience the work of salvation if we don't slow down long enough to give attention to it. So the practices that I'm offering are not simple self-help practices that if you slow down, your life will be better, but rather we as followers of Jesus are choosing to slow down to be still so that we are more aware of the work of Jesus in us. So let me offer these five practices and then we'll come to the table of the Lord and celebrate Holy Communion. But let me offer these to you. Start with number one. First practice of an unhurried life is to flex your no muscle. Flex your no muscle. We wrongly assume that if we had more time in the day, then we'd have an easier pace of life. We think that if we had six more hours in the day, that would give us a 30-hour day. And 30 is a round number. 24 is not even a round number. But we wrongly think if we had six more hours every day, then our life would be, well, we could, we could slow down, Pastor Derek. We had six more hours every day. You know that's not true. If you had six more hours, you would fill that up with activity or you would find those six hours being filled with activity. No, simply having more time is not the way to an unhurried life because there is never enough time to do everything you want to do. You are never going to have enough time to, to read that next book or listen to that next podcast or binge watch that next TV show. You're never going to have enough time to, to learn that new skill, to do that new task, to take up that new volunteer opportunity. You cannot do it all, even if you had six extra hours a day. Now, newsflash, breaking news. You can't do everything because you are not God. You're a human being with limitations. This may be an announcement to some of you. There are two immutable truths in the universe. Number one, there is a God. Number two, you are not God. God is the only being who has unlimited resources. You're a human. You get tired, you get fatigued, you cannot do everything. So you have to learn to say no. Christian writer and thinker Anne Lamott says that no is a complete sentence. 
So learn to flex that no muscle. Unless I'm calling you or texting you with a volunteer opportunity, then always say yes. Say yes to me, but then say no to everybody else. Put that down. Number two, unclutter your schedule. We need to rearrange our cluttered schedules in such a way that we can be present to Jesus so we can be present to one another and so that we can be present to ourselves. Now, I understand that not every one of you are structured and scheduled. Lord, have mercy on people who don't use a calendar. I don't know how you do it. If I don't put it on my calendar, it doesn't get done. But perhaps if you use a calendar, if you use a schedule, we need to unclutter that. And I've seen this over the years that parents will often pack their kids' schedules. And I don't always know why. Maybe they're afraid that their kids are going to have too much free time and then get in trouble. But you get these parents and they, they want their kids, of course, in school. And they, they want them in, in scouts and in music and theater and in band and in volunteer opportunities and in church activities. And they just pack that schedule up. And, and, and again, parents have to do what they think is in the best interest of their child. But I think when we pack our kids' schedules, we're reinforcing that the more you do, the better you're going to be off. But the, but the reality is that busy is not always better. Activity is not always the same thing as accomplishment. Speed is not success. Because again, as Pastor Jacob preached last week, we are not human doings. We are human beings. So our daily, weekly, and monthly calendars need margin need blank space in between appointments and activities. We need margin in our life because if you have something you have to do early in the morning at the early part of the day and it gets to go a little bit long, well, then the rest of the day is just hurried unless you have margin. Or, or if a certain activity like Faith Foundations class meeting in the Life Center at 6.30 p.m., is starting at 6.30 p.m., maybe, maybe don't leave your house at 6.25. Leave your house at 10 after 6. But you're saying, I don't need 20 minutes to get there. Just create a little margin. Especially you here driving in St. Joe. You might hit St. Joe traffic. It might take you five minutes instead of four minutes to get down the belt. Unclutter your schedules in such a way that there's margin, that there's empty space for those happy accidents that happen in our lives. Number three is to prioritize prayer. I think that this is key for an unhurried life, is to prioritize prayer. So as you are thinking through your schedule, go ahead and schedule times in there for prayer. Again, if you don't put it on the calendar, it's not going to happen. And I offer this to you not to shame you, but to encourage you to start. If you have been through prayer school, if you've learned the prayer liturgy and you have struggled to implement that, I don't want to shame you. I just want to encourage you that maybe take parts of that prayer liturgy and begin in the morning praying simple things like the psalm for the day, for uh, the prayer for the week, learning to pray the Lord's Prayer every day. If the whole liturgy is overwhelming, just start with, with something simple. And I encourage you to do it in the morning. 
to schedule it, to prioritize it, to find ways to be in the presence of Jesus through prayer in the morning. Because those of us who have developed these habits and practices, I mean, I will testify that this is, this is a game changer. It is a game changer. And one of the things I do love is praying the psalm for the day. So today is day 255, so we're praying Psalm 105. Now, I, if you haven't noticed, uh, if you haven't learned this about me, I have a tendency to talk really fast because I think really fast. And because of that, I've had very bad habits of praying really fast. Some of you know that. Sometimes I get lead in prayer and I just get revved up and those words come out in prayer. So I'm working on it. But I had this encounter the very first time that I was at Conception Abbey, our Benedictine monastery, 45 minutes away from here. And we were praying with the monks, we're praying with the brothers. And I was listening to the speed, the tempo, the cadence of how they prayed the Psalms. And it was purposeful. It was intentional and it was way slower than I was praying. So when I first started praying the Psalms, I felt that if I'm going to pray these ancient prayers, thousands of years old, I need to put the fire of God into those prayers. I felt like, man, I needed to be like excited for Jesus praying the Psalms. And so for me, excitement just means speed. And so before my encounter with Benedictine spirituality and, and, and prayer in the Benedictine world, I would pray Psalms like this. I'm, Psalm 105 is long. I'm not going to give you the whole thing. But here's how I used to pray the Psalms. It used to be a little bit like this. Give thanks to the Lord and call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him, sing praises to him and speak of all of his marvelous works. Glory to his name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. I felt like I had to be fast if it was going to be meaningful. Then I heard these Benedictines praying and I thought, oh man, that's what I'm missing out on. Not only do I want you to prioritize prayer, but I want to encourage you to make prayer at a slower pace, to make prayer intentional, purposeful, See, the problem with learning memorized prayers is that you can rattle off the prayer and your heart and mind are completely disconnected. But if you will slow down when you are praying and put intentionality into every word, this is when we become very open to the presence of Jesus. So now when I pray the Psalms, it's much slower. And I kind of sing, kind of chant the Psalms, which will sound kind of weird. I'm going to do it here. I'm just the first three verses. But I want you to hear now how I pray the Psalms. And, and again, I have no particular form. I kind of made it up on my own. But even this morning as I prayed the Psalms, now for me it sounds a little bit like this. Give thanks to the Lord and call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him, sing praises to him, and speak of all his marvelous works. And all I can say is for me, learning to pray slowly and intentionally like that has brought me into the presence of Jesus. So prioritize prayer and slow your prayers down to practice an unhurried life. Number four, Create balance between work 
and rest. And Pastor Jacob did a great job last week talking about work being good. Work is a part of God's good creation. God creates and Adam, humanity is given a job. This is before sin, before the snake, before the fall. Adam was given a job. Humanity was given a job. Name the animals and tend the garden. Care for the garden. Care for the created order. This was our original job. So work is good. Work is a part of God's good creation. The key practice here, though, is Sabbath. Sabbath is a Hebrew word. It means to to stop, to cease, to rest. Because God worked on six days and on the seventh day, God rested. So we, as the people of God, in reflection to the image of God, we practice that. So we work and work is good and we give time to work. But we also give time to rest. Sabbath is a time not for work, but for rest, for worship, for play, for recreation, Play and recreation are undervalued spiritual gifts. Find those kind of activities, those hobbies that fill your soul up with life. For me over the years, that's become backpacking. I'm gonna be in Arkansas later this week, Washita National Forest doing some backpacking. There's something about that for me that just fills my soul. So practice Sabbath. Find that balance between your work life and your also your, your, your time to rest for worship, for play, for recreation. And finally, last practice that I want to share with you, number five, is to practice the fruits of the Spirit. To practice these things. So Paul, writing to the churches in Galatia, says... The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience. Some of you need to circle that one. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. As we sit in the presence of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is in the background at work within us, forming these character traits within our hearts. We could even call these virtues. N.T. Wright in his commentary on Galatians says these qualities, speaking of the fruit of the Spirit, these qualities are in short virtues. And virtues are things you have to think through, work at, cultivate, and practice. See, virtue are those character traits that we develop by practicing them. In other words, we become patient people by doing patient things. Now, Paul's telling us that it's the work of the Holy Spirit to produce these things within us. So we have a choice. We can choose to cooperate with and work with the Holy Spirit in the Holy Spirit's work of producing love and joy and peace and patience within us, or we can do things that work against the Spirit's work. And so what I say is that when we practice these virtues that we want to see formed in our heart, when we practice those things, we're working in tandem with the Holy Spirit who is forming these virtues, these character traits within our hearts. This is the process of spiritual formation, becoming more like Jesus. So begin to practice these things. 
Do love things. Do joy things. Do peace things. Do patient things. Go ahead and skip self-checkout aisle. Stand in line at the grocery store. Let someone check you out. I don't know, honestly, if I can do that or not. So I'm going to challenge myself with that one. That one's tough. But you want to work with the Holy Spirit in producing an unhurried, patient life? Then do unhurried, patient things. And there at the back of that stinking line of customers at the checkout aisle, the Holy Spirit can be at work in you, forming patience deep within your heart. I believe as we do these things, we can begin to live an unhurried life and be so much more aware of the presence of God with us. And as we're here gathered in worship, there is no practice of worship that brings us into the presence of God or brings our awareness of the presence of God more fully than Holy Communion. And so if you've joined us online, if you're worshiping online, go ahead and gather your communion elements. And here in the building, if you would like to, go ahead and stand up with me and we will prepare our hearts for Holy Communion. We come to the table of the Lord because it's Jesus' invitation. Jesus says that I am the bread from heaven, that if you eat my body, if you drink my blood, you'll do so for eternal life. And I cannot explain, I do not know how eating this bread, dipping it in the cup and eating that, I don't know how this bread and this cup connects us to the presence of Jesus, but I've experienced it. I know it to be true. I know it to be real. And this practice, among all the others, is a practice for slowness and stillness. Because there's nothing you do here, except for, well, you got to walk down to the front. You have to walk. But you simply receive these elements. And you'll hear these words, the body of Christ broken for you, the blood of Christ shed for you. This is the core of the gospel message that King Jesus has given us his body, his blood, has given us his life, that we can experience new creation and new life. So you're invited to come. Everyone's invited to come. Come with what faith you have. It may be just a little bit, just a little bit of faith in Jesus. Just, I don't, you may be saying, Pastor Derek, I'm not even sure about all this, but I got just a little bit of faith. Jesus says, that's all you need is a little mustard seed size faith. If you have the faith, we'll give you the words. And what we'll do is we will confess our Christian faith together by reciting the Apostles' Creed. And then we'll all pray together a prayer of confession. And then we'll come to the table of the Lord. So let's begin by confessing our Christian faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now, church, join me. Let's make our confession of sin together. 
Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we might delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name, amen. And God is gracious to all who confess their sin and in humility ask for mercy. In the name of Jesus, your sins are forgiven. And now this is the table, not of the church, but of the Lord. It is made ready for those who want him and for those who want him more. So come you who have much faith and you who have little, you who have been here often and you who have not been here long, you who have tried to follow and you who have failed, come because it is the Lord's will that those who want him should meet him here. The body of Christ broken for you. The blood of Christ shed for you.